Yes, welcome to the Jock and Journo Show. We're back for 2020. Got an absolute gutsful of talking about hubs and isolation stuff. Can't wait to get stuck in the footy. I'm Jay Clark. I can't wait to talk to these men. And who better to launch into the footy season, the footy chat with the captain of Collingwood. He's the six-time, uh, five-time best and fairest winner, six-time All-Australian, and he's been training at a ground near you. How are you, Scotty Pendlebury? Been training at a ground near you. I'm well. I'm uh, looking forward to Thursday night. It still doesn't feel completely real yet, but um, looking forward. It does. It's um, the amount of blokes that have called it round one um, is amazing. So, yeah, but very much probably like everyone else, looking forward to playing Thursday night. Looking forward to sitting on the couch Friday night and having something to watch. Braden Cox, you're clearly the cheekiest member of uh, the Jock and Journo crew, backed by popular demand. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah. I, what's popular demand? I haven't heard anyone ask me to be on here, but no, it's good. I didn't actually know we were allowed outside. I went outside dressed as a caveman and saw people eating eggs in a cafe and realized we're back. Footy's back. Everyone's back. There wouldn't have been me in the cafe. Stuff to <laughs> Western caveman. Well, we have all been uh, putting on weight. You are looking trim and terrific, Scotty. We're training your ground near you. That's what you've been doing. You've been popping up in these Elwood parks, getting these Herald Sun photographers to make sure that they kept you in action. You have been uh, training your absolute backside off for Thursday night because it's Collingwood versus Richmond. What a better way to start this season. And let's be honest, they, are your, they have become your biggest rival. Would you say the Tigers now are the team you love to beat most, Scotty? I think Tigers and West Coast in the last couple of years. I think obviously 2017 and 19, Richmond have won it. Uh, 18, West Coast knocked us off. We had the prelim with Richmond in 18. So they seem like the two sides that, I don't know, if there's a crowd there Thursday night, you can feel that. I don't know, you've been to plenty of games. There's, you know, there's just something different in the air when you play those two sides for, for us over the last two years. And, um, I think it's both supporters appreciate the battles you're about to have. And you know, even when you go over to Perth, you can tell their crowd's a little bit edgier than normal. And But yeah, very much looking forward to Thursday. I think it's a great way to kick the season back off and you know, two big clubs and hopefully put on a good spectacle and one that sees us singing the song at the end of it. I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to on Thursday night. Otherwise, other than seeing your good self, Scotty, is Jordan DeGoey, who is accused of being a little fat like me probably, when he got back and started pre-season training. But I caught a glimpse of him about a week ago, and uh, he is looking trim and terrific. And it's going to be Jordan Ngoi, the master and the apprentice, versus Dustin Martin. These two raging bulls are going head-to-head. And it's almost a title bout within this big game on Thursday night. Has he been going, Jordy, uh, Scotty? Because he looms as an absolute match winner for you guys. Didn't have the year that he would have wanted last year. I think only 17 games, some uh, some injury issues as well. Are we going to see him move more into the midfield? Is he be more permanent forward? How do you see his role and how's he going? Yeah, he's going really well. Um, as you said, it's, it's sort of funny. It's like Dusty versus Geordie, but at no stage will they play on each other. They'll probably line up at the center bounce next to each <laughs> other and they'll both run to try and get the ball from their own ruckman and then both go forward. So, um, yeah, they were, look, I think both of those guys, whoever gets more opportunity, more one-on-ones will do damage there. Um, you know, Dusty's probably got the runs on the board or not probably does have the runs on the board compared to Geordie um, in terms of those performances and consistently being able to gra- break games apart. But he is about, I think he's probably four to six years older than, than what Geordie is. So Geordie's got, that potential, that scope within his game, we've seen it already. As you said, last year he had a few injuries, so it makes it challenging for him to actually show that. But um, both times we've had a practice game so far in the last three or four weeks, he's had 
you know, between six and 10 shots at goal in, in practice games. So he's, um, he's raring to go. Uh, in terms of midfield or forward, I think, um, you know, if Geordie feels like he's going well in the midfield, that's up to him to call that he'll stay in there. And then if he's feeling it down forward and we're getting enough supply to him, he, he'll stay forward. So it'd um, be luxury <laughs> to have that. How does that work? You're the, you're uh, the captain. You're 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 the you're the big dog in the uh, in the engine room. Can he can he just sidle up and call you out, or who who has the has the hierarchy there? Yeah, well, I think Taylor Adams is probably the guy who runs the show for us in the midfield um, around the centre bounce work. He's he's our best guy in there, and then um, yeah, Geordie will will come in when he feels like you know it might it might not come down for a little bit, so he'll come in and you know just to hit a body and to try and get a clearance because he's so good in there and. You know, probably throw Jamie Elliott, Cal Brown into that mix as well of guys who can come in and add a different dynamic to probably myself, um, Tay, Steele, you know, Tommy Phillips, Adam Trelaw, guys like that. So, um, yeah, he'll, he'll yell out and then we sort of have a look who's in there and he'll usually pick one of us and say, like, just, just do a little stint <laughs> forward. So off we go. We go forward. <laughs> well, I'd like to see you tell him no. It would, what are you going to yeah. do? Well, in fairness to him, he's, he's probably – better than all of us Bartay in there. So, um, yeah, but it's all, you know, to, to have the boring answer. But if if we've got the right mix in there and we can maximise his strengths, then then go for it. Darcy Cameron's been a handy pickup, hasn't he? Could be called straight in for round two with doubts on Mason Cox. Clearly, Nathan Buckley has talked about those Coxie faces. A big challenge this week to get up for that one. And Darcy Cameron, the former Sydney Ruckman who couldn't get a look in, uh, now seems like he's going to get his chance. How's he been going? He's going to give Brody clearly a chop out in the ruck, but how do you rate him as a uh, as a keep forward? Because that looks like that's where he could start. Yeah, I think I think he will. And um, he's him and Brody compete a lot against each other at training, and I've I've definitely seen the growth in Brody because of it, but I've really seen the growth in in Darcy because of it. Yep. you know you're going against the premier ruckman in the comp and. Um, yeah, I think his growth has been huge, but he's also done huge chunks of as just as a forward. And as I said before, we can't you can't bring Darcy in to play as a second ruck who just sort of pinch hits forward, but he doesn't really know how to play there. You know, he's um, across what we're doing as a forward line, and then if we need him, he can he can chop Brody out, similar to to what Mason does. You know, he he's a forward who can then go chop Brody out. He just happens to be seven foot and a pretty handy ruckman at the same time. So. Yeah, I think he's he's been a great addition, and yeah, we've we've got a really good player, exciting player on our hands. And the, the one thing you can do is you can take a, you can take a clunk. So Geelong and Hawthorne, Hawthorne playing at the Cattery for the first time in a very long time, Scotty. Now you know Alistair Clarkson ripped off his top uh, to prove to his teammates that it wasn't cold when it was snowing in Canberra. I think what what chance, what hope do you give the Hawks? down at the Cattery, a new venue against a team who have played so well there for such a long period of time. I feel like with the mature list and Clarko, they've had some recruits, clearly Chad Wingard from the year before, the general John Patton. I wouldn't be surprised if the Hawks notch up this big upset in round, in, uh, round two. I'll ask you this way. If it's – say if this game was at the MCG, what do you think the odds are? Say if it's 50 – would it be 50-50 it's at the G? I think it'd be a dollar eighty each, yeah. Fifty fifty. So now it goes down to Geelong. Yeah. Would you say it's probably fair to say sixty five thirty five? Sixty forty. You look at the swing just there, just from so what's that, you know, maybe two goals mm-hmm. to, to Geelong. I think Geelong are going to be incredibly hard to be beaten down there. I think that the knowledge of the ground they have and the sides potentially that haven't played there in a long period of time. You know, I know 
what do they play, seven home games a year as it is. So the sides that have played there, but the mm-hmm. sides that haven't played there in a long period of time, it's, you know, it's going to be different for them. It's an advantage for Geelong in those occasions. So the one thing about Hawthorne is, you know, what you're going to get with, with how they defend. The, they'll defend the ground there, I think, a little bit easier than what they would do the MCG just because it's not as wide. You know, they, they have a zoning defense. Um, so I think if they can get used to the ground, um, I'm not sure if they're allowed to train on it beforehand, but if they could get a session there and train on it, I think that would really help them. But yeah, I, I think it's, it is slightly in Geelong's favor getting that game at home, but I think it's going to be a cracker. And as you said, I think the Hawks system versus Geelong system has traditionally been a pretty good contest. So um, looking forward to, to seeing how it unfolds, mm-hmm. but no doubt playing it at home, it, it does tilt the, Took the ledge in, in the Cats' favour, I believe. Hawthorne missed the finals last year. I think they could be a big riser in terms of the sliders. I just, I'm not sure about Adelaide. I think they could quite clearly really struggle. And we've all been hoping that this is the year that Carlton finally jump up, climb up the ladder. There's no Charlie Kerno. I wonder who is their second best player, the Blues. And I keep thinking it's Sam Walsh, the second year midfielder, who's more of probably Jack an accumulating Martin. midfielder, but he's got a, a huge tank. Who do you think? I think Jack Martin. Great round one. He's, mate, he's, um, I think he's been underrated because he's been at Gold Coast and you just don't see him as Victorian people. Um, but I know playing against him, he's, he's super hard at the footy. He's got great mm. skill. Um, I think he's a guy that could be, we were talking before about Geordie and, and Dusty. Um, he's a guy who I think for them could, you know, against Richmond in round one, he kicked four goals and had twenty something possessions. Like that's a that's a fairly, you know, unique game for a player of mm. um, you know, his frame and stuff. So I think he's a guy for them that could do some damage, you know, one out in the goal square and then at times come up into the midfield, do some damage with his hardness, his quickness around the footy, and then then push back forward because he's such a competitor. He's so good one on one. And yeah, I think he's yeah, I think he'd be their second best player behind Cripps. Um you know, Mark Murphy's there. Um, you know, I think Sam Walsh, mm-hmm. um, I don't think he's ready for that mantle yet. He's a very good young player, but I don't think he's their second best player. Um, yeah, there's some guys, Mitch McGovern. The, the chemistry piece is the thing that they've got to figure out and they showed flashes in round one against Richmond that they can you know, get it in there and they locked it in for long periods of time and it's just their belief in what they do. If, if they can get that, anything's possible. Their fans after so long would be – so excited at the prospect. And I know they've been probably excited for a few years, but eventually it'll click. We've seen things like uh, teams like this before with a lot of young It'd kids. be cruel. It'd be cruel for them if it clicked and they weren't allowed there for the first six weeks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll tell you what they do need. Um, and this might be a little bit, uh, this might be a big call, but I think they need an Ollie Wines or a Nat Fife. Like I think Carlton are absolutely desperate for a Steve Canelio type to take that pressure. Don't don't shake your head at me just yet, Scotty. Oh, I think they're agree. desperate for a need a mature ball winner. To hey, Paddy Cripps, as much as we love him, can't shoulder the load by himself, and he, he doesn't have a he doesn't have a Robin. He doesn't have a Tay Adams like you have. So they desperately need someone else, a mature body, to give him a chop out. Because as much as inspirational as he is. He can't do it on himself. And Jack Martin playing forward, Sam Walsh out in the wing, only a second-year player. Mark Murphy's a veteran now. Charlie Kernow's on the sidelines. It's not that it's not there yet for Carlton. You know that's a real concern for me. If I'm them, I'm going to the the, the market and I'm going to try and bring in a second big body. And if it's not Nat Fife, it has to be Ollie Wines. I think. Yeah, I don't. Why think, are you shaking your head at me? I just I don't see the fit with 
Nat Fife and Cripps, to be honest. You wouldn't like um, to see that? Not, I don't think they'll fit together. What was that? I just don't. Two, two big dogs think, in the same phone box. Oh, yeah, I just don't, think, I don't see that personally as a good fit. I think they're both very so good at So what do at, they need? I think they're very good at the same thing around the footy, which is winning the ball and winning clearances, yep. but there's only one ball and one clearance to be won. I haven't had a deep dive into it, but good. This to be is honest, what we get, I'd, spontaneous answers on the Jock and Journo show. I don't. You know, um, your premeditated trap that you wheel out in your press nah, conferences. Well, I, we I, think I think their midfield group is really strong. They've got Kurnow in there who's a big body who does a lot of the dirty work, tags, can win the footy, get it forward. Sam Walsh obviously needs a couple of years to develop, but he'll go inside eventually. Um, you know, Murph still Dow. around the footy, Paddy Dow. Dow. These guys, they, they'll come. Um, I think it's just for 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 Carlton. It's just finding that chemistry. Like I feel like if they if they could win three in a row and really take confidence from that, you don't anything's possible. And I think when that happens, you'll see other guys get more confidence and step up. And then Paddy Cripps probably won't be as prominent. He'll still play some mm. unbelievable games, but the people around him will get more confidence. So, because I don't see a guy like Paddy Cripps, his form isn't going to waver regardless if they lose by ten goals or win by ten goals. He's got that motivation. He doesn't need confidence from winning to believe in himself. He's just got it. Where some guys need that confidence from, hey, it's starting to click. If I do this work, it, you know, I get reward for it. We're, we're winning. It feels good. So I think that. That's their next step in, in my eyes. Hey, as captain of the uh, footy team, would you go up and ask Jack Stephen what the hell happened when he got stabbed? Oh, I'm sure Joel has as well. Asked him no, what I said, happened. Would you? Yeah, absolutely. Would you ask? Yes, I would. <laughs> like what mm-hmm. Joel would have done as well. I think everyone at their football club would have asked and checked in, see if he's okay. And um, yep. I think people like yourself – uh, flat that they mm. can't find out what's happened. Usually, I, oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I feel like it's a good thing that it's been able to stay quiet and mm-hmm. it's not everywhere in the press. Like, you know, it's his personal life. I don't feel like that needs to be out there. And I don't. And I, this is just me as a player talking. So I understand journalists might have a job and they might have to go dig for that stuff. But I personally mm-hmm. like the fact that. I feel like there's been respect about the situation and people have stayed away from it because they're giving Jack respect and I've got no problem with that. We've got no problem whether it becomes publicly available. I mean, I think if anything, the media have stayed away from it, but the club needs to know and needs to give it a tick and the AFL needs to know and needs to give it a tick. That's that's the point the media is making, that the yeah. AFL, the police, in my view, and the club need to be clear what happened. Well, I feel like from my past experiences, everything comes out at Collingwood pretty quickly. So um, <laughs> the, you you know before me. Um, uh, yeah, but as you said, I I think the people that need to know would know and the most important thing is that he's okay. What about the fans? What about the members? What about the supporter base? Are they Are they in that group of people that should know? I think they're in the group that, if they trust their club, they'll trust the club's doing the right thing. You can't have like open door at selection. Like fans want to know every week why he didn't play or why isn't this guy playing. Where do you draw the line? If you've got incidents like... It's a great you know, question for Jay. Jordan, no, but for both parties, you've got incidents like Jordan Degoe or like going back further at Collingwood, Heath Shaw and Alan Didak and things like that. Why can't that just be swept under the rug? Well, there, there potentially is more that is swept under the rug than you know about. It's just I, the stuff that is real big 
that you hear about that the fans know about, but I would say that there's probably more swept under the rug than people think or there's stuff that people know that's just not newsworthy. Because I think what's one thing that's come out of um, so far with coronavirus, I think clubs are starting to really open up. The last two weeks, I've been asked that many times how the boys are training, how's everyone come back, how did how did Steve-O come back, how did Geordie come back? Like fans want to know everything. It's, as you said, like what what is the line? I think the Jack Stephen thing that the fans don't need to know as long as they know that the people at the club are happy, the AFL is happy and that Jack's healthy and happy, then I think they should be, they would be, they'd be fine with that. Good example of that is say Jaden last year with his betting. Like nobody knew about that. That could have easily been swept under the rug if you wanted to and that's what your culture was. But that's like for our culture, that's not where we stand for and that was dealt with, I think, fairly well and nobody knew about that until Walshy spoke about it to the press and, you know, Jaden spoke and that and it, it all come out. Like that could have been a story that just went away, but it's just it's not our culture, it's not football anymore and I think more things get called out than, than ever at the moment. It's a good question, like what is the line? Jay, what do you think well, the line is? Do you think people should it know? Was, uh, yeah, I think the media have been, um, people are interested, I think the media have been more respectful of, of players, yeah, private issues and yeah, mental health than ever before. I mean, this is a, the Jack Stephen thing is a perfect case in point. No one's been speculating about what happened. Like there not has been even one incident of that happened. So um, I think every everyone in the media have been uh, really respectful as much as people like to dig the media all the time. I mean, it was come out last month through the courts that Geordie lost his license or was, was caught um, yeah. driving without his license last year, um, which was quite clearly kept under under wraps by the footy club. So, look, I, th- I think the media have been extremely respectful around Jack Stephen and more mindful of you know players' mental health and all that sort of stuff. Of course, there's going to be ups and downs. but If, if this was another player, would you expect it to come out? If, if, if Dan- Patrick Dangerfield was stabbed in the chest? How, how do you think that it would be handled in that situation? Yeah, potentially. I think those details would be more uh, more willingly come to light. So I think people have been definitely respectful of the Jack uh, Stephen stuff, but no one wants to give the media credit for that. i tell you what's going to be super interesting this year is the fact that away teams will have to fly, travel on the day that they play. I think that it becomes a huge challenge for away teams winning on the road this year when they're boarding a, a flight at 8 a.m., playing at 2 o'clock in Sydney or in uh, Brisbane or, or wherever it may be, maybe Perth and Adelaide late, later in the year. How would you go, Scott, getting on a plane at 10 a.m. in the morning or whatever it is at lunchtime, flying up to Brisbane and then playing five or six hours later and then coming back that night? I think that's an enormous challenge for the visiting team. Yeah, I think going to Perth, personally, that would really test me. Um, usually I fly to Perth two days before we play and I know the next morning when I wake up, I'm stiff, like just everywhere, get physio, um, got to go for a walk, get in the water, like, you know, really get your body going. And, um, you know, I've seen things like when you travel, you're not allowed to go for walks, you're not allowed to use the gym, you're not allowed to use the pool, um, things like that. So it's sort of like you travel, sit on a bus, go to your room, so there's sort of not much time you can prep. So, um, mm. like, you know, but you know what it will be like once we once we travel. It's we'll use it as an opportunity, galvanize backs against the wall. You know, these are impossible trips. If we can do the miraculous while we're, we're away, it's um, you know it's even more more crucial of a win. So, um, but I think what you what you're alluding to is that it, it will be harder to win when you travel, and that's just the nature of 
traveling. So it's it's going to be harder for sides that come to Victoria to play. It's going to be tough when we go to Sydney to play. But everyone's got to do it. So we'll find a way that works best for us. I think if you can get if you could get there um, and potentially get to the ground a little bit earlier than normal, usually we're, we're a side who gets to the ground quite late, you know, mm-hmm. 90 minutes before the game start and, and we're pretty relaxed. But yeah, I reckon you'd almost need to get there sort of two, two and a half hours earlier where you can go for a good walk on the ground, have a stretch, um, probably push that part of your prep back just to when you arrive at the ground to, to really make sure you're ready to go. And that leads me to the broader question. I mean, I, I think for, for a club like GWS, for example, or Brisbane, who will be travelling every second uh, week throughout the course of the season, I mean, West Coast, I can't see him winning the flag this year. Because not only because of the hub, because of the travel over to the eastern states, having the uh, travel and then play, as I said, just an enormous challenge. So it raises the question, does this year count as much as a normal premiership would? I mean, personally, I think that the mountain is even steeper. I think it's an, a, a huge challenge. And if you, you won the flag, you'd look upon it even more fondly. But there's some people out there without crowds and with the weird stuff that's happening, you know, are, are clearly aren't going to rate a premiership or like the others because it is such a unique year. Where do you stand on the big picture of things? Well, I think all our supporter base, if we were to win a, win a flag, they'd be thrilled. They're not going to be disappointed yep. that we've won a flag. So um, there's definitely challenges though and like that's, you know, that's for every player, whether it's, you know, you usually do Pilates offside or you see an external practitioner that you can't currently see at the moment that helps you get your body prepared for a game. So there's different things that, players across the competition are going to deal with with their body in terms of how can I best get prepared. But that's, as I said, it's the same for, for everyone. Um, and, you know, AFL players, we're all living under different restrictions at the moment compared to everyday society. So um, mm. we've just got to find our best way. And so I what think, can't you do? Like, so I say, for example, I see a, a chiropractor once a week. I can't do that because mm. he's not employed by the football club. He's... So those sort of things that I say that I do is just part of my body prep or uh, do Pilates off-site once a week. It's just they're little things that you no longer can do. And I know you can do them by Zoom and stuff. And it's it's probably like this. We're used to doing a podcast sitting in a room where you can just feed off each other and you can lock in where it's a little bit different. You know, Jay, it's like you haven't touched a footy in eight weeks. Um, I thought Coco was on the mute button for a little bit here. Um, those type of things. So it's um it's it's different but as i said every side's got those challenges um you know we've lost a lot of staff that used to seeing but to to be able to use all that and put that aside and just focus on the task at hand and come together and achieve it it's as you said the mountain it's you know it's got obstacles on it now snow all over it and you got to figure out how you get to the top because it's not just a smooth sailing um a ride anymore for us so yeah i think there's this elements that are different but I think it'd be it, it would mean a lot to whoever gets to win that they've overcome so much. But I think uh, it's going to be an exceptional flag. I think it's going to be one an amazing achievement by the team. Um, whoever wins it will be celebrated as such. I don't think there's an asterisk asterisk or um, it's not going to be treated um, you know as respectfully as it should be. It'll be a uh, premiership uh, reunion, you reckon? The side that wins it this year? Uh, of course they will, and there should be crowds back at the footy by then, which would make it that incredible. Hundred thousand. I'm not sure there'd be that many, but whoever wins it, I think it'll be a cherished achievement. But how are you feeling about potentially losing up to ten of your teammates next year? That's what could happen. Uh, it's 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 like sort of saying the first week when you walk back into the club at the moment, um, 
and then every day you go in and you just realize how different it is. It's stuff you try and put to the side and just focus on what you've got to do. But there's just so many faces that aren't there that you're used to seeing. And you you feel so lucky on one hand to be back doing what you're doing, but you feel so sorry for the guys that would kill to just be in your position and, and back what you're doing. So I think if anything, we owe it to our staff and supporters and um, you know the people that have been at the club for so long that aren't there at the moment to to go out and represent you know it's our club but it's their club as well so to do that job for them and, and try and win the flag for you know for us for the coaches for the supporters for the the people who started with us at the start of the year but probably won't be there at the end of the year um and in terms of you know your original question about list sizes it's it's something that i find tricky because to have 34 guys on your team something like that it's like how do you do match play <laughs> just the simple thing that every player plays for is the highlight of your week is match player training. You can't actually do 18 v 18 with 34. So I don't know, but it's all things that I guess is now thrown up in the air because of the coronavirus and how we can, you know, get the game back on track as quickly as we can. I'm not that unhappy about it. I think though um, the players <laughs> that are good enough. Yeah, well, you don't, you were never going to play. Well, the, well the, the players are good enough. will still forge their way in. So previously, you had a list of 40-odd, then you're going to have a list of 35. Yeah. This, this, the fairy tales will still be there because the guys who are good enough and work hard enough will still get elevated. The numbers just change. So if the game can't afford to, to um, survive with 850 players, well, guess what? It's going to become less or it could even become less teams. I mean, there's, yeah. a, there's a financial viability at, at stake here. And they will they will make changes that they deem uh, necessary. And I don't think anyone's feeling particularly safe at the moment. But that's just the situation that everyone in the community is in. The fruiters, the the people who lay concrete. I mean, it's just it's just the reality. So yep. um, I, th- I think having a list of forty odd um, is a luxury at the moment. Yep. So. And I think that the queue for the massage table got, could be a little bit shorter next year, Scotty, and you'll be straight on there, mate. So I don't think I don't you'd get be on there, mate. I don't get on the massage table. What about like uh, in the in your landscape with media? Has that had the cutbacks as well? We've been uh, we've had to take some annual leave and some long service leave days, but we haven't uh, lost anyone. Uh, thankfully, yeah. just yet. I mean, clearly, it's a uh, it's a m- moving beast at the moment. But uh, yeah, we have all been impacted, haven't we? As players, we understand that reality, but the practicality of it is the thing that I'm talking about. And I, and you're right. I think list sizes will come down, and potentially there'll be more stories, as you said, those Cinderella stories about guys getting picked up. If the pathway is set up really well, those guys will want to stay involved, and you know, there's going to be more of those stories because more guys are going to get after it. As you said, they can't just get. 45, 46 guys on the list. It's just the practicality of things that you're sort of used to as a player, which is just to say like match play. You know, I'm sure Bucks would be chomping at the bit to put his hand up and jump in match play again, but I'm not sure we really need him to to dominate match play at, you know, 50 years old. Before we get to uh, questions, Cocker, I know you've got some from our Check. loyal social media uh, following. Like- Scotty, how much, of a, how much of a pay cut do you think would be fair for the players next year? It could be 15, 20, 25%. Paul Marsh at the AFLPA is playing hardball already, saying he wants the AFL to open the books uh, on their previous finances and modelling for the future. I think that's fair enough. But if you were asked, what do you think is going to be a fair number? Oh, to be honest, I have no idea because it's something that – what if like it was you've 20%? never mm. like to keep the game afloat, would you take twenty percent? Then you found yeah. out how bad it really is. It's like you, you're going to go to fifty. You're going to take fifty, and 
if there's no games, you're going to 30 to mm. save the industry. And all the players signed off on that. So I think that shows that the players, the AFL, we're working together deep down at the bottom of everyone's hearts. It's we want the game to survive and succeed. And yeah. um, you'll do what you have to do. And I think, yeah, I think a good starting point is what Marshies have said and, and Gil, you know, let's renegotiate the contracts. I don't think, I think the players deal has still got two more years to run. Um, and a part of that agreement was we actually don't go backwards from where we are now. Um, so we, we stay here or we move up as part of the revenue share model. Um, That's but changed. with what's happened, with, with what's happened, it changes. So if everyone's open and transparent, then mm-hmm. you can come to a fair figure that it's, I think that when, when players don't have great uncertainty, that's when there's questions. So, you know, if the AFL won't open their books, well, then the players go, well, why don't they open their books? It looks they like they're will. trying to hide something. Yeah. So they'll they do that. And then, you get, yeah. then you get a clear picture of, okay, this is to keep the game going. You guys all have to take, it might be 25%. It could be, you might need to take 5%. You, okay, guys, it's, it's going to be a 20% hit to the salary cap, but you're also going to lose 10 players. So when you think about that, it might actually be the 20% hit is the 10 guys coming off your salary cap. There's multitudes of ways, um, which I think we're all open to because we've, we've, you've got to be open to it. So no, you're not going to get a number out of me. <laughs> it will be, it'll, uh, it'll be an interesting negotiation, uh, that's for sure. But there will have to be a preparedness, I think, from everyone um, to take a little bit of a uh, haircut. Just before I let you get to Coco's questions, last one. Who's taking your eye out on the, on the training track over summer? Oh, Who's burning up? up the track? Uh, yeah, that one. In the last eight weeks. My boy Tommy Wilson. Well, Geordie's Geordie's been McQuainer. pretty good. Travi Varco, he's gone to halfback. He had that shoulder mm-hmm. surgery, I think, in January, um, gone to halfback. The eight weeks has allowed him to come back and be ready for round two. So, um, you know, Travi's presented in, in really good nick um, and, and no doubt he'll get a chance um, pretty quickly because, yeah, I think that experience that he has, his ball use, his sort of – he's just – I think he brings something to our side that, I don't know, just gets the, the crowd going, even though they're not going to be there, but gets the crowd going and the boys all playing with him. So, yeah, looking forward to that. <laughs> what about Langers? I saw Langers out on the track oh, in the photo. He's yes, back. You can't forget him. He's getting back. He won't be back for another four weeks, I don't think. But, yeah, it's exciting. He's such a good player, such a good fella, um, much loved by all the boys. So if he can get back um, and play some footy, he's you know, like a like a new recruit for us because he is so good in that back line and, you know, for for a large portion of time he was he was just the mainstay of our back line. That's all I had, Jay. Okay, you got some questions from the fan base, mate. <laughs> yeah, jumping in. Uh, I got one very good question directed at Scott. They got the fifty thousand votes when they went live, Geordie and no, Pendles. They didn't. they didn't get fifty thousand. <laughs> so why did what happened? No, it was why only actually meant to be ten thousand, wasn't it? I oh, know, but it was supposed to be on Geordie's account and it yes. went on the club's account and the club had five times more followers than Geordie. So you went so and said Simple maths, Jay. Is that what happened? I said, let's times it by five if it's on the Collingwood, oh, which equals 50,000. Terrible. Buddy. That's yeah. dirty. You know, with you me, Jay? No, I'm not yeah, with you. So we didn't do it. <laughs> so you didn't dye your hair blonde because you- Does it look blonde? You kicked out the shits because- because no. you lost. No. Really cracked. Um, we'll, <laughs> I'd we'll like get to there. see Jay Blonde. 
we'll get it blocked. Sure. Scott, you put out a tweet asking what people were looking forward to in uh, round two. A lot of people looking for Jordan to go to uh, unleash, kick a bag. Uh, a lot of people want to tubby, Scotty, or not? A little bit tubby. A little bit. <laughs> not me. <laughs> don't, don't we all? Oh, Jay, you're about to start round two a little bit tubby. By the looks of it. A little bit. He's been working hard. That's okay. And that's okay. Oh, moon face. You'll get, you, hey, you'll, you'll get in shape. That's why it's called the off-season. <laughs> uh, James Wilkinson wants to see you sell a little bit of candy, Scott. Do you reckon oh, you can, well, that's, you I can do that? I don't have him, speed, so I've got to rely on that. <laughs> Addy Paps wants to know, uh, this is an apt question. He wants to know how many people have put on weight during the ISO period. He's going to be looking out for the, <laughs> the bigger <laughs> units. I figure there's two types of people from ISO, isn't there? There's the people that learn a new language, they learned how to paint. They may they may have picked up yoga, and then there's people like me who just I'm. If I fit out the door, that'll be a surprise. Yeah. But yeah, there's um, the people who watch next Netflix, ate and drank. Yeah, well, I think mm-hmm. I finished Netflix. It's pretty close. So that's it's all good, right. Good that footy's back. Look, Scotty, can't wait to uh, see you out there on Thursday night. Are um, you coming? No, Couldn't I'm off get a ticket. On Thursday. How does how does it work <laughs> with media access? Yeah. So there's restricted number um, yeah. of print journos, and I think like there's only there's um, only fifty thousand of you out there. Well, gags, um, and then the, the radio guys, <laughs> the, the radio crew. I think they're only allowed three in a box or something like that. So, for example, That's Triple possible. M, we're going to be doing it from the studio, I believe. So is that we can fit in the whole team because there is six of us plus tech staff so i think we'll be calling from our uh, uh studio i think we just get me in for the, the quiz print journalist perspective yeah we were good weren't we um from a print journal perspective i think we need a temperature check on the way in and we're not allowed to touch you or see you or um and breathe yeah, on you obviously good. something like that That's so if good, i'm doing good if, rules i appreciate that aspect of it. Player after the game, I think I've got to call them downstairs, something like that. So the media, uh, the, the media cabbage. do this is this is a weird one, but they always touch you. <laughs> Who's a toucher? Use all are. Use all that. Really? You you always <laughs> like tap you on the shoulder, like, "Hey, you going? Good game today." It's like, why? I think we you just might. touch. <laughs> you always touch us. Yeah, there's but, one for you. But you say that like you <laughs> coming out with no shirt on, doing it. Like in your jocks, that's normal. But a bit of journalist touching you on the shoulder, that's weird. Well, put that's even weirder on. that I've put a, got put a jocks on. on and the journalist is still touching me. Yeah, yeah true. This I don't know. It's, it's whether it's trying to break the barrier. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. We're not mates. Anyway. Step off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it could be worse Start, now. We've uh, been in ISO for so long, they'll be hungry for a bit of human in it. <laughs> <laughs> human interaction we've, we've put together a sports section without any live sport for the past three months which has been an exceptional uh, effort i think we're fresh out of list great work but uh i think it's been it is it has been a great effort scotty absolutely good luck for thursday night can't wait to have some footy on our television again see you out there uh selling a bit of candy you're in tip-top shape mate and uh, good luck uh on thank thursday you night. hopefully we're not as rusty as we are <laughs> yeah, Coco. <laughs> Speak for yourself. I was on. <laughs> yeah. One more thing. It's yeah. we got the M and D fight. M and D. Make sure you get out and get your beanies. Uh, yes, for a great buy cause. Your beanie, support it. 
Although you can't go and watch the game live, it's uh, a very good cause, so get out and grab a beanie. Hold on. Special broadcast on Channel 7 for The Big Freeze. This has been the Jock and Journo Show. We'll catch you next week. Bye for now. Oh, bring us home strong. <laughs> well done. <laughs>